Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the SMIE Consulting Midweek Roundup. I'm your host, Marty Bennett, and this week on the Roundup for Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, we're going to be answering the following three questions we've been hearing from international educators. For those of you who are watching live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or LinkedIn, thank you for joining. It's great to have you with us. Uh, those of you who watch on repeat, which I know is the majority of you, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy work days to, to listen in and see what uh, we have to say on these important topics of the day. Uh, for those who listen to the audio-only podcast, uh, your uh, subscription to our podcast is, is welcomed. Uh, you're one of over th uh, 3,100 downloads of the podcast so far in our history in the last four years. So we really appreciate you being a part of the conversation with us. So uh, we have three questions that we've been hearing a lot of uh, over the last few days. And these are questions that really go to the core of what I think are some of the essential elements in international student enrollment these days, uh, not just in the United States, but globally. And how we respond to these different questions really says a lot about our institutions and our individual offices' commitments to doing international right. Uh, so the first question of the day is, do you understand what international students want? It seems like a pretty basic question, and in this case, context, we're talking about prospective students, your future international students on your campus. Uh, these are the folks out in the wider world, or they're part of the over 6 million students that are currently studying outside their home country. Uh, these are the students that have options now uh, that they might not have had 10, 15 years ago. Uh, they are looking not just at the United States as a destination. They're looking at other major Western powers, uh, Canada, UK, Australia. Uh, all of those have, have had long track records of, of uh, attracting international students. But you also see other regional players stepping up. In the Middle East, you see uh, s several in the, in the Emirates, in Qatar, that are becoming hubs. You know, seeing Saudi Arabia try and put, put their, uh, their, uh, their oar in the water, too, for international uh, destination as an international destination. You see India making a, a bold pledge of uh, enrolling 450,000 international students by the end of uh, 2050, I think it is. Uh, so some really uh, important players that are stepping up that weren't there 10, 15 years ago internationally in large numbers. You see China uh, had been, prior to the pandemic, the number three destination for international students, not only the number one sender abroad, but the number three destination for receiving students. Uh, you see uh, in countries in Southeast Asia trying to become regional hubs in Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia. So there's always a growing pile, a growing pie of um, students that are actively seeking to study outside their home country, but also many more competitors for those same students. So we're going to talk about, when we talk about do you understand what international students want, we're talking about uh, really having an appreciation for uh, what students who are looking to study outside their home country really are seeking when they are when they are beginning their searches, and there's a lot of great surveys out there that you can uh, you can typically uh, sink your teeth into that will uh, provide some context. There aren't uh, some are better than others. They're certainly not all created equal. Uh, what I'm doing first, though, before we get into the actual articles, I'm going to drop the links to uh, our versions of our newsletter, which is where we pulled the, the themes for our midweek roundup. Uh, during the news, in the newsletter that comes out on Mondays, uh, there's an email version that you can subscribe to on our website, smieconsulting.org slash subscribe. Uh, that email comes out at 9 a.m. Eastern 
on Monday mornings typically. And then there's also a LinkedIn version. Uh, you can subscribe either version uh, through the email version. You can uh, go to the website to do that through LinkedIn. I've dropped the link to the most recent edition of Monday's newsletter uh, called All the SMIE News Fit to Share. And you can subscribe there. We've now, between the two uh, versions, we have over 1,600 subscribers to that newsletter that get it actively in their inboxes each Monday and uh, hope, helping to spread the word about uh, our takes, our hot takes on the news stories of the day, both social media news stories, international ed news stories, and oftentimes where those overlap. Now, for the, this topic here uh, on understanding the uh, the news, uh, understanding the, the kinds of things that are out there, the different surveys that are out there. There's a few big players out there. iGraduate has their barometer, student barometer, iStudent barometer that comes out yearly. Uh, Bonnard has done a number of su surveys like this before. IDP uh, has been one of the larger, uh, most consistent players on this, uh, on this, on this topic uh, and always has over 30 million students on their sites every year that they track and uh, survey regularly. Uh, so I'm putting a link first up to an ARC webinar coming up uh, this uh, at the end of the month. Or actually, no, it's coming up today. It is actually happening right now as we speak. So if you're watching live, you can click over to that. I hope you don't. You can watch it on repeat anyway, uh, like you do this. So uh, this ARC webinar uh, explores findings from IDP's latest uh, large-scale international student survey called Emerging Futures 4. It looks at the motivations of perspectives of perspective international perspectives of prospective international students from vital source markets. Uh, looks at uh, impact of on in terms of their use of artificial intelligence, ChatGPT, perceptions of how institutions are using these tools. Uh, the speakers are also going to exploring uh, what are the factors driving international higher ed amongst students and what those motivate under how understanding those motivations can help you develop recruitment strategies that uh, will uh, help you get in front of the right students with the right messages. And I think that's part of what we really need to focus on here with this question. What Do you know what international students really want? Uh, they want to find quality education. They want to find an education that provides them a realistic chance of uh, getting a decent job after they graduate or being able to move on to further graduate study. Uh, so th those are some basic ones that are universal quality and outcomes. Uh, but you also look at safety uh, in certain markets. It's a much more imp important uh, topic in terms of uh, what they're going to experience on your campus, uh, in terms of access to facilities and all of those other things. There's a whole range of things that uh, international students really don't know about but they uh, until they get there <laughs> and they realize how important it is. But it's a matter of... Uh, t sharing your value statements uh, that and, and crafting messaging to them in a way that meets what they're looking for as prospective students. So the, the IDP webinar or the webinar from the that reviews the IDP data is uh, important in that. I'd also recommend uh, there's an, another uh, another great resource on student surveys uh, are the folks at ICEF Monitor and they've done uh, a really interesting look at uh, what um, student preferences are related to environment and sustainability on college campuses and how that's actually a very significant motivator, uh, motivating factor for how students do their searches. They want to find schools that are environmentally friendly uh, and are committed to sustainability and uh, renewal and all of these, uh, all of the different things that we think about when we uh, talk about uh, uh, what, which we do often. And for many admissions offices domestically, that might be kind of expected. 
uh, that, that you reference that in terms of your messaging out to prospective students? Maybe not. But internationally, uh, maybe that isn't really top of the list, you wouldn't think. But now uh, the, the ISEF article shares from, uh, from a number of different resources uh, or a number of different surveys over the last three or four years that, uh, uh, that there's a lot of climate anxiety amongst the youth of, the day, of today. Uh, a QS report in 2019 found that 94% felt that universities could do more to reduce their environmental impact. Uh, we see our, our QS 2023 student survey that found uh, four in 10 international students actively researched a school's environmental sustainability strategies or efforts. And I wonder how many of us actually have that in part of our Comflow or readily accessible on our uh, admission sites because that can have a positive impact, if you're doing the right things, on prospective international students' view of how your campus is committed to, to the environment. So interesting to see that both in the ISEF Monitor Report and in the IDP webinar that's going on right now. I've also seen their, their data uh, on uh, the IDP data on emerging futures for, and it certainly reflects a lot of um, that uh, a lot of the kind of motivations of why students study abroad, the push and pull factors uh, that also lead to, uh, to students looking at other countries as options for their study abroad. Uh, one additional piece that I will throw in, and we, don't, we often underestimate uh, how significant this is, and that is supply and demand of uh, positions uh, in intended majors in their home countries as a major push-pull factor. If there is huge demand for, uh, amongst students for uh, positions in university for computer science or analytics or bioinformatics or something like that, and, you, and they know that they don't have enough university spaces in that, and if you know as a university in the US that they don't have enough university spaces to fill, to meet that demand in their home country, that's an opportunity if you have that program and, and, and it's attractive to uh, international students. You can market that directly to those students who are in the situation where there's a lot of students in that country that want to study that subject, but not a lot of places in universities and to meet the de demand of those students. So that's the opportunity to, uh, that knowing what students want, and that's going to be different in every country uh, and in terms of what the hot majors are that aren't properly uh, supplied in terms of university positions. And a great resource to help you get to that is uh, put out by study portals. Uh, we've been at UNLV, where I work as Director of Global Recruitment and Partnerships. Uh, we've been a partner with study portals for now two and a half years. And we use uh, their data to help us identify which countries have high need uh, or high demand for jobs in, our, in fields that match what we offer. And then we look at potential messaging in that country that might help us better reach those students and better convert them if we can present them, hey, we have something that you want. We know you don't have enough of the opportunity to do that in your own country. Come and join us. And we can position ourselves and like we know what they want. And we, we can talk to them and with the understanding that, hey, there are limited options where you are. We can help you get to what you need to what you need to do with your career, with your education. So that study portals data, uh, there's an uh, just came out, uh, I think yesterday, it was embargoed until yesterday, and so I'm sharing you a PDF link there. Uh, and it has, 
uh, just uh, the reference of uh, bachelor's and master's degrees uh, subject areas and where there's high demand and low supply as areas to focus on. So some really good uh, content there that's uh, well worth uh, checking out. So that's all we have for that first question, do you understand what international students want? And that's future students. The second question is, what do your global ambassadors want? And the global ambassadors, for those who aren't familiar with the term, these are your current international students that you might be using to help you in recruiting future students, also potentially helping in uh, be peer mentors for your existing international students on your campus. These are some of the leaders in your international student community on your campus. Uh, not everybody does it in a, in a uh, fully fledged, fled, fleshed out program that you might get through a TAP or a, a UniBuddy or one of the other peer-to-peer uh, -peer recruitment team efforts. But uh, a lot of folks will d develop their programs organically. Uh, these global ambassadors help uh, as uh, peer mentors, like I mentioned, tour guides for new students, orientation helpers, all of these kind of things. But also on the front end uh, as recruitment uh, resources for prospective students. Might be staffing chats, might be uh, posting regularly on social platforms that are aggregated on the university site. All of these things are part of what uh, global ambassadors, the roles that they can play in helping you to bring in future students. Uh, for those that have been uh, part of the Midwick Roundup community for a while, you know that uh, we developed uh, at SMIE Consulting something called the, S the six P's of Strategic International Enrollment Management uh, during the pandemic, I think in about 2020. Uh, 2020, late 2020, we developed the six P's, for going on four years now. and. Uh, these, four, these six P's are really identifying the key elements in a successful strategic international enrollment plan. Uh, that, uh, the, one of those P's, in fact, the, one of the most important P's is peers. Uh, peers being uh, how important current students are in recruiting future students. That the current students are living the life that future students want to know about and want to be able to picture themselves living that same life. Uh, and they, hopefully they do that at your university as opposed to another uh, competitor. But uh, having these global ambassadors there to tell your story is an, an important part of that puzzle. Uh, and the, um, the, the, the article that we're referencing here uh, for uh, actually it's a webinar that TAP is putting on, and TAP is the ambassador platform, one of the two major uh, recruitment, peer-to-peer -peer recruitment platforms out there uh, that are commercially available. Uh, ID excuse me, I should say, uh, TAP is also uh, a part of IDP now, uh, and they've partnered together on a number of things. So if you're an IDP, IDP client, you might be able to access TAP, at least in demo form, but uh, if not, buy it outright. But uh, TAP is having a webinar coming up that is asking the question, do you know what student ambassadors really want? So uh, what the focus of this, uh, this webinar will be is looking at uh, surveying 300 plus active student ambassadors from around the world. TAP is active in the UK, it's active in Australia, as well as uh, more recently in the United States and probably some other countries as well. But each of the uh, participants in this will be talking about the survey results from these program managers that operate global ambassador programs on campus, uh, talking, uh, hearing, hearing from student ambassadors about what really matters to them, what they're looking for in, uh, in the work that they do and what they're hoping to get out of it. So. Why, why are student ambassadors so important? And I think that's, that's something we, we don't necessarily always think of, but I've been in the field now 31 years. Uh, my first professional job out of, out of grad school was working in my admissions office at my alma mater. 
And even though I was an alum of the school and I was in the admissions office, I was no longer a student. I was a, a graduate, yes, but I was an employee. I was paid to talk about how good my university was. And what I quickly realized, my boss certainly, uh, my first boss in the field, Ray Brown, a uh, dear friend of mine and my, my first mentor in the, in, in the professional world and in missions, uh, he shared with me, hey, uh, we might know our stuff backwards and forwards. We might be alums of the school. We might be uh, uh, the best admissions counselors out there, but nothing will sell our institution better than our, our own students. That's why we, at the time, and we uh, at that time we, we invested heavily in uh, uh, telecounselors. Uh, these are student callers that would call up. At, this is in the '90s, so we still did that. Call up, uh, inter, call up our students, prospective students, and talk to them. Have our current students talk to our future students, and how important that is in helping to paint that picture for our future student, what their life might be like on campus. They want to hear from those that are living it right now. And it's the tour guides that take people around campus. Obviously, international students don't have the luxury of visiting most of them, most all of them, before they come for orientation. So for us, uh, we, we quickly realized that the feedback we get from tour guides, we got back from our uh, telecounselors, uh, from the students that they interacted with, the prospective students they interacted with, and after enrollment, we find out that that is probably one of the more important factors. I know when I made the decision to attend my university, I came on a rainy uh, Friday afternoon uh, in April before I graduated high school and with my best friend from high school. We took a tour of the campus. It was a miserable day, but we felt like we were wanted on that campus, uh, that we would be included, we would be engaged, we, uh, you know, and, and we could easily become a part of the university community there. And even though the weather was terrible, we felt that we belonged there. And that's ultimately what you want every future student to have an opportunity to experience, what it's like to be there as a student. Again, internationally, you're not going to get there before you enroll, most likely. So it's how do you do that virtually now? Uh, virtual tours, uh, virtual chats, online events that you host that you can include your current students in to help share their experiences with your future students. All of that is so very relevant in terms of uh, adding value to what you already do through your messaging. Uh, messaging that gives them all the nuts and bolts of what they need to do to apply, get, get scholarships, uh, pay their deposits, figure out how to get to campus, all those nuts and bolts kind of questions that you can do well and you can do at a very high level, but you also need that missing ingredient, and that ingredient is the current student experience to inform the future student's expectations of what it's going to be like. Because I mentioned earlier, you, future students don't know what they don't know before they get to campus. So it's up to your current students to help paint that picture better for them, to help flesh out, hey, talk about uh, the hours in the week that there are. Yes, you uh, are, uh, you're going to study a lot. You'll study two hours for every hour that your class meets in a week, but that still leaves you with over 100 hours to fill each week. So how do you do that? Yes, you're going to sleep, maybe not as much as you did in high school, but you're going to get involved in activities. You're going to want to go to speakers uh, that are coming to campus. You're going to want to go want to go to concerts that are happening. You want to get involved in some sports teams, uh, club and intramural teams, perhaps. You want to see what the larger city or community that you're living in has to offer. All of these things are part of that experience that, to be honest with you, internationally is a picture you need to paint even more so than you do domestically. Because internationally, the expectation is when they, if they were in their own country going to university, they don't go to a university for everything else that we just talked about. They go there to study, uh, go to classes, study, and come home. 
the, the idea of campus life, campus community, where in the U.S. we talk about our campuses. This is a place where you live. It's not a place you just go to classes and go home. It's a place where you live and interact with everybody else who's in that same situation. And that's the picture that students coming from other countries to us don't know that yet that that's part of the part of the deal you're going to have all these opportunities to interact outside of the classroom so i think it's incumbent upon us to really take the time to incorporate our current students in telling that story because we can put it in put it in paper we can put it in uh, on our websites we can put it on our social platforms but what what sells your institution best is always going to be your current students and if you are managing that and equipping them to help tell the story, knowing what they want for what they're doing is also part of that equation. So you can have the best students helping you, but unless you're helping, helping them with what they need to do their jobs well, you, you may be missing a trick as well. So it's a very complicated process, and there are a lot of moving parts in making a successful global ambassador platform uh, or global ambassador program that can help inform your future students. But it's a step well worth taking because those future students want to hear from your current students more than anything else. So make sure that you're making the time and effort to develop that. It's not an overnight thing, but it is certainly something you want to make sure is a part of what you offer. Now, let's move into the, the one topic that we do each week on the Roundup is all, always has a little bit more of a global flavor to it, uh, at least one. Uh, this, this week is no different. And the question is, does post-study work policy change matter? And uh, that is something that I think we, we don't think enough about uh, international, in international admissions offices, certainly. Uh, but it does have a huge impact in terms of what your future students think about not just your institution. It's, it has really nothing to do, changes in policy at the government level has, has absolutely nothing to do with what, you, what your institution is doing. You could be doing the best in terms of your career services, in terms of getting the word out, making sure there's a seamless process for international students and services specifically for them as part of your career services program. But the reality is if government policy changes, restrict post-study work. That's not, a, that's not a problem with you as an institution. That's a problem with your country. So that's why advocacy is all important and, and having a voice at the table when it comes to these uh, policy decisions that impact the desirability of your country not just your institution, that really matter. And there are three countries that are uh, uh, really uh, dealing firsthand with this issue right now. The UK, Australia, and Canada are all looking at restrictions to, uh, to um, well, I should say UK and Australia are certainly the ones looking most closely at restrictions to work. Uh, we know in Australia they reduced uh, post-study work opportunities by 50% back to their original pre-pandemic levels. So that has made Australia less desirable for uh, students that really want extended post-study work time. Uh, the UK, uh, the Mig Migra Migrant Advisory Committee, uh, is now examining at the orders of the uh, ruling uh, Conservative coalition, conservative government in the UK, they're examining, re-examining re the graduate route visa. That's the post-study work visa in the UK that gives two years of work permission to uh, all graduates um, there from, from university programs. So uh, both Australia and UK have had changes in, or either have had recent had changes implemented in Australia or may soon have restrictions implemented in the UK that will impact post-study work. Uh, under the government government. So uh, why is that important uh, to to make to to mention here? 
I think it's important because you look at you look at what's happening in uh, in the wider world. Coming certainly during the pandemic, we saw students' uh, preferences in terms of what motivations for what was uh, impacting them, particularly at the undergraduate level. We saw more and more uh, students. Uh, Concerned not necessarily number one about rankings anymore, which was, was a good thing, frankly, if you ask me. But they're also looking at, uh, more importantly, the return on investment. And that return on investment is what is this university degree going to get my son or daughter? And that's mom and dad talking there. They're the ones paying the bills and the lion's share of international undergraduates coming to the U.S. So uh, they want to know what kind of jobs can I get when I my son uh, my son or daughter get when they graduate? Uh, what uh, fields can I go into if they want to go for further study? Uh, is that uh, what's the track record of, of uh, getting graduates into? Uh, master's and doctoral programs if they're coming for undergraduate degrees. Certainly if they're going for master's or doctoral, they're looking at what, what's the job prospects for an international student graduating with a degree from your institution. And so few schools do that well, if at all. Uh, I know we're, we're struggling with that at UNLV. It's as part of our international student enrollment management plan is that we grow out what we're doing and internationalize our campus so that campus all campus offices realize that international students have different needs than the t typical domestic students and that we need to have be aware of what those are and when we don't know we need to ask and in event in the eventual uh, future policies that we develop we're taking them into consideration as we look at new services that we offer or ways that we can improve what we're doing uh, that matters and post-study work is one of those so if we don't capture the outcomes for international students we are missing a trick a very important trick that can, if we can tie that, those outcomes that we do have now, either anecdotally or numbers-wise, data-wise, you can tie that and loop it back into the recruitment process that's added tools to your, uh, to your arsenal to help convince a prospective student that you might be the right destination for them. So the articles that I've shared talk about what's coming with the UK sector, that they're gearing up to protect post-study work, post work graduate visas. In Australia, they've already had that impact. And uh, there's an article, by, uh, article from Vietnam that references specifically to Vietnamese students that might be looking to go abroad. Hey, if you're looking at Australia or Canada, be prepared for a tougher market if you're looking to get significant work experience after you're done with your degree. So. Those changes matter. Uh, when the governments make the decision to cut uh, benefits uh, for international students, to reduce the amount of time they have available for post-study work, it will have consequences down the stream for future students that are looking at your country as a destination. Now, as international student uh, admissions people and student scholar services offices on campuses in the U.S., by ourselves, we can't do much. Uh, we can educate and, and must educate our current students and future students as to what changes might be coming, if there are any, that impact them. And communicating changes is, is an important part of, uh, of any, uh, any good office in terms of working with future students or current students. But you also want to make sure you're active in advocacy. And if not your office specifically, certainly through representation, through government relations on your college campuses at the state level and the, and the national level, but also thinking about the implications of uh, the association world that we work in. We now have, uh, obviously, the U.S. for Success Coalition formed of 13 
10 to 13 different international uh, education organizations, uh, including NAFSA, President's Alliance, Alliance for International Exchange, uh, AIRC, and a number of others uh, important organizations that are membership-driven but advocacy-driven as well, and that having a voice at the table to raise these issues that, hey, don't mess with OPT. Please don't mess with STEM OPT. It's one of our biggest selling uh, features about our, our, uh, our country in terms of those, those opportunities after graduation. All of this matters. So we really encourage you to take to heart these kind of messages here, that you're aware of what's going on in the wider world, uh, not just in, in your country uh, where you are, but also in uh, other major uh, comp competitors for the same students. So that's part of that perspective we always talk about with our six Ps. The first and most important one is understanding and having an awareness of what's going on in the world and how, when the UK changes policy on the postgraduate work visa, when Australia reduces the amount of time that students have there, that's an opportunity for you as an institution to sell not just your institution, but the U.S. as a destination. And I think we miss a trick a lot of times on college campuses when we're recruiting international students. We think we're competing with our, 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 our big, our big state, state school down the street or for the, the small private arts, little arts college that we often cross apps with. Internationally, it's a different world. Uh, you need, you're competing with other countries for the same students. So the more you can tailor your messaging to accommodate and highlight the benefits of the United States, not just your institution, but the United States, you're giving yourself an advantage when, in response to what's happening in the rest of the world. That's all we have for you this week on the Midweek Roundup. We appreciate you taking the time to spend with us to uh, hear what we have to say and how these kind of stories that we're talking about, the questions we answer, uh, might help you do a better job uh, in international education at your institutions. So until next week, we wish you the very best. We're going to be traveling next week. We'll be in uh, arriving in Nepal about the time that this goes live, so we may do a brief live shot from the airport. Uh, but uh, we'll be back uh, in back stateside not until the ooh, the 14th, I think, of February. So it might be a, a fair minute before we have one back in the home office. But we uh, will be in touch soon and uh, hope to have uh, some conversations with you along the way. Until next time, cheers.